would just, just ask you, just, just raise your hand, if, if you would say that Christmas is your favorite time of year, like it's the best time of year, bar none, you love Christmas and, and uh, nothing else can compare to it. Okay, there's a good bit of you. Well, uh, I just want to tell you all that you're all wrong, okay? Uh, no, actually, it is a wonderful time. In fact, uh, for me, I, I kind of ride the fence. Some years I'm excited about it, can't wait, and it's, you know, it's fun when you have kids, it's fun, Christmas morning is always a blast watching them tear open their presents, and then it's depressing when you see them play with the box more than the, than the gift. Uh, but, uh, but some years I really love it, but then there's years where you get kind of bogged down with the, with all that goes on, <coughs> excuse me, leading up to Christmas. And, uh, I found myself this year kind of feeling that way. I remember telling a couple of people, you know, I'm just ready for January 2nd. And I got convicted of that this week because, you know, we as Christians, especially of all people, this should be a time of celebration for us. This should be a time where we are rejoicing and being and excited about the fact that this whole country sets aside time to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Now, I know that, that, that the, the commercialization of Christmas that a lot of people don't even understand, that it's actually about the birth of Jesus, and they just, they're into Santa and the presents, and that's all that matters to them, and that's fine. But for us as believers, what a privilege, what an honor to know that we live in a nation where we set aside time every year to celebrate our, our Savior's birth. And that should be exciting to us. You know, we as, we as a church and as Christians, so often it's, it's difficult for us to really celebrate. I don't know why we're not very good at celebrating things sometimes. You know, we can celebrate when our team scores a touchdown that wins the game as the time expires. But when it comes to celebrating things of God, we're not real good at that. But we should be the best celebrators in all of the world. There should be nobody that can celebrate better than us. We have so much to be thankful for when it comes to Christmas. And uh, I think for some of us, you know, it just, it can become so... Uh, if you've been around for a while and you've been saved for a while, it's easy to just kind of go through the motions of Christmas and not really focus on the fact that this is about Jesus. You know, Haley mentioned that, that we, have to, we have to purpose in our hearts to be intentional, to focus our time on Jesus and our hearts on Jesus during this time to remember that why we celebrate this. And uh, there's, uh, there, there's one, one of the things that we as Christians can celebrate is the fact that we know that the reason this baby came and was born in a, in a stable and was placed in a feeding trough, the reason he came was because he saw us that we were lost sheep without a shepherd. Amen? And because he saw that we were lost sheep, he, he sent his son to come and live a sinless life and die a sinner's death on a cross so that we could be saved. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so important that we understand, even with the birth of Jesus, you know, when, when uh, Isaiah gave this prophecy, in fact, I'm going to read the verse real quick. It's in Isaiah 9, 6. It was actually on the screen. We all know it, or a lot of us know it. Um, and it, is, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I've entitled my message today, To Us a Son is Given. And it's, it's, it's important for us to, to remember and to, to, when we see this verse, to understand that those, the names of Jesus that are given in that verse, that he's a wonderful counselor, that he's a mighty God, he's the everlasting father, and he's the prince of peace. What wonderful, awesome promises of the names of Jesus that were prophesied 700 years before his actual birth. That's really phenomenal that it was prophesied that far in advance. That would be the equivalent of someone in the 1300s, prophesying something that was happening today. And for it to be as accurate as it was in the book of Isaiah, for him to say it the way it happened, and it happened exactly the way that he said it was going to happen, is really phenomenal. 
And for Jesus to come as a baby was so significant because, you know, God could have, he could have just brought Jesus in as an adult. He could have came, came onto the scene as a 30-year-old, started his ministry, and done his thing. He could have totally done that. But there was such significance in Jesus being, coming into the earth as a baby. Because, you know, Jesus' whole life was, everything about it was very intentional. There was nothing that, um, that was just, oh, that just happened to be that way. Like, God intended for him to come as a baby. Because, for one of the reasons, I believe, was because the, the life of Jesus exemplified humility. You know, his word to us, his whole ministry was all about humility. It was about loving God and about being humble. And he exemplified that his whole, he washed his disciples' feet. He was always serving. You know, he said, those of you that want to be the greatest need to be a servant. And that was how he approached life. Well, what more humble way or what what better way to, to exemplify humility than to come into the earth as a helpless, naked baby and to be born, not even born in a hospital or in a home. He was born in a stable and put in a feeding trough. And, you know, I, I, we've all seen the, the nativity scenes. We see them every year. We used to have them in our church when I was growing up every year, and they were always so cute. And you watch, you, you see the kids do a play, and it was so neat. And everybody's dressed real, you know, they got the, the, the old garb on, and they, the, we got the little baby or the baby doll, the pet cabbage patch kid in a little manger with fake hay. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, it, it smells good because we're in a climate controlled area, but that's not how the actual thing was at all. It was in a stable, it stunk. There was probably manure all around and it was not a, it was not a glorious thing other than the fact that this was our savior, our King coming to earth. And, uh, God came very humbly and, and it gives us, it, it shows us how we are to live. And I just think it's amazing that he came like that. But, but what I want to focus on today is, is these four names that, God, that, that Jesus has in this verse. And, uh, you know, the thing about the, the fact that Jesus was called these names is much more significant than when we name our kids today. You know, I'm, right now, the, the weirder the name for your kid, the better it is for some reason. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe somebody else can help me with that. But the names right now are getting really odd and interesting. I guess we're getting bored with Mike and Steve and Bill and, and all those things. But uh, a lot of times our names don't have a lot of significance. But the, names, the name for Jesus, it was, it was not just a name given to him. It was a name given to him because that's who he was he, or that's who he is. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. And he is the prince of peace. And you see, Jesus didn't just come to the earth to show us how, how great he was or how awesome God is that he could come to earth and be this amazing thing. He came for us. And the reason I've titled this message for, to us, a son is given, is because it's important that we realize that he was given for us. He was given for you, and he was given for me. And the, and the focus there, if it wasn't for us, it would have just said, hey, this, Jesus is coming. He's going to be the wonderful counselor. He was going to be these things. But it, it specifically says twice, actually, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And it's, so it's for us. And I want to encourage you today. I, I, I hope to encourage you in the fact that, that Jesus came for you and for me, and these names that he is is for each one of us. It's not just some broad statement. It's for you and it's for me. And there's no reason we, we can't receive that into our life and let that manifest in our life and be a part of our life. So I'm going to jump right in to the first one. And it was the first name that was given to Jesus was Wonderful Counselor. Now, if you were to, to define counselor, a counselor is basically someone that gives advice. Uh, right, you know, in, in, in the world now, we have actual professions where people are professional counselors. Uh, so obviously there's a need for it because counselors are in demand all the time. Uh, in fact, here at New Hope, we have a, 
we have somebody on staff that that's all they do is he counsels people. He gives the people advice. Mike Claire has been here for, what, 13 years on staff, I believe. Uh, raise your hand over there, Mike. Show us you're all here. There he is. Yeah. Very faithful member of our staff has been doing this. All he does all day, every day, if we're not in staff meeting, is sit and talk to people, encourage people, pray for people, listen to their problems, and try to give them godly wisdom. He is a really good counselor. And uh, that's a service we provide here at New Hope for anybody. Uh, some, people probably, some people here probably don't even know we do that. Um, but, but it's available for all of us. It's a service we give. A lot of you have been to see Mike, and he has given you good advice and good counsel. And uh, he would be the first to admit to you, though, that he is not the wonderful counselor. Amen. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's the one that always gives us the best advice, the perfect advice. Because, you know, good counsel is so important because bad counsel is out there, too. Not all counsel is good. In fact, sin came into the world through bad counsel. The serpent came, Satan came through the serpent and deceived Eve and told her, you know, you can go ahead and eat that fruit. God just doesn't want you to eat it because if you eat it, you're going to be like him. And he convinced her through advice to eat the fruit. He didn't force feed her. He didn't shove it down her throat. He convinced her to eat it. She gave it to her husband. He ate it. And here we are today. The sin came into the world. And that was, that was bad counsel. And, uh, you know, as I was preparing this message... I couldn't, I was reminded of something that I haven't thought about in years, but when I was 17, uh, thought I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof and the world was my oyster. I had a brand new Ford Ranger pickup that I thought was just so awesome. And, uh, I, w- I was driving down a, a really busy road, very similar to Washington road. This was up in Ohio. I had my best friend sitting beside me. We're just out on a Friday night doing our thing and we're driving. All of a sudden this car pulls up beside us and look over and it's got a, a, a couple girls in the car that, that you know, were not unattractive, I'm going to admit it. And uh, they kind of were flirting with us as, you know, as kids do as they're driving down the road. Looking back now, it was ridiculously silly, but at the, at the time it seemed really cool. And uh, so my, they kind of motioned us and they took off. Basically, they were kind of asking us to race them or, or catch them or something. And they were, they were moving. And my friend looks over at me and he goes, come on, man, we got to go catch them. Now that was bad counsel. Okay. And, but me being very impressionable and wanting to be cool, I stepped on it and chased them. And we were going a really good clip down this road. And I remember thinking, man, if a cop sees us, we are, they're not even going to give us a ticket. They're going to take us to prison because we were flying. And I must have willed it into happening because no sooner did I think in a cop came the other way and passed us. And I looked in my rearview mirror and sure enough, I saw him turn around, hit his blue lights. And my friend looks over and he goes, come on, we're way ahead of him. We can lose him. Again, bad counsel. Very, very bad counsel. And, uh, but I, I did it and uh, cut down a side road and we went flying through these back roads and I actually lost him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, he probably got the girls, which was good. Uh, and, you know, we thought we were so cool and great. You know, we were high-fiving and laughing that we, you know, we totally outran this cop and got away. But how many of you know your sin eventually catches up with you? My sin caught up with me in about 45 minutes because we were driving somewhere else and I was on a four-lane road and I happened to look over. Something distracted me and I looked to my left. Consequently, it actually wasn't girls. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I I looked and right as I looked, the car cut in front of me and stopped to turn and I didn't see him. And the first thing I saw when I looked back was my hood fly up in the air. I look over, my friend's head went through the windshield and uh, he's picking glass out of his forehead. Nobody was seriously injured, but uh, I got cited for it. I got that, that ticket that I thought I eluded. I ended up getting anyway. 
And uh, it, was not a, it was not a very good night. Uh, I remember having to call my parents telling them that. That's not a fun phone call to make. But uh, so, so bad counsel is very real too. We can't assume that all counsel is good. Amen. But we know that Jesus's counsel is always good. He is the wonderful counselor. And you know what? And, and the fact that Isaiah said that he, that was the first name that he was given in this prophecy means that it, it must be something we need. We all need good counsel. Nobody knows everything. Mike knows a lot. He's heard a lot of stuff, but he definitely does not know everything. And for all of us, we need good counsel. And sometimes we need counsel that only God can give us. Because sometimes people don't have the answers for us. And there's, there's three things about the counsel of Jesus that I just want to mention quickly that, uh, that we can hang our hat on. And the first one is that his counsel is always trustworthy. Amen. It's always trustworthy. We never have to question. If we hear from Jesus, if we hear from him, if he, if he speaks to our heart, if he speaks to our spirit, or if we read something in the word that, that we know just lines up with what's going on, we can always trust that his counsel is going to be good. And the reason for that is because he's omniscient. He knows everything. Like there are situations we don't know. We can't even possibly, it doesn't matter how wise we are, we'll never know the right answer for a situation, but Jesus does. And so his, his, his uh, counsel for us is always trustworthy. The second thing is that it's always wise. His counsel is always wise. The wisdom of God is, is so far beyond anything that we could ever have on our own. But with him helping us, we have his wisdom at our disposal. Have you ever had a situation where, uh, you had a decision to make about something, and as you prayed about it, you, you got led from the Lord. The, the, the direction the Lord told you to go was the complete opposite of what common sense would say to do. There are times that common sense is not always the right way to go. Now, God gives us common sense. That's a gift from him. I'm thankful for it. Some of us have more than others. I'm not going to mention any names. But, uh, but common sense is a good thing. But if we always rely on common sense, then we're making that a God in our life. And it doesn't matter what the situation is, we should always take every decision we have to make. We should always take it to prayer and ask God to give us direction. I remember when, when my wife Joy was pregnant with our first child, we were pretty newly married. We just came out of, off the mission field. We were broke as could be. Uh, my job kind of dried up. The job that I had, there really wasn't any work for me. And I wasn't working and I, we were pretty desperate. I remember paying our rent one month with a cash advance from our credit card, which is suicide. Don't ever get a cash advance on your credit card for your rent. But we didn't have a choice. And um, I had applied for a job. I was going through the yellow pages. This tells you how long ago it was. I was in the yellow pages looking for a job. And I called this, this construction guy, and he said to come in. I met with him. He interviewed me, and he, he liked me. And so the, before the interview was even over, he offered me the job. And I said, well, you know, i got to pray about it first, you know, and I'll, I'll get back to you. And I went home, and Joy and I prayed about it. You know, it wasn't some, you know, groundbreaking huge job, but it would have definitely paid the bills and helped us out, especially during a time when she's pregnant. And as we prayed, we felt very clearly that the Lord said, don't do it. Don't take it. And uh, so for us, it was like, well, then we're not doing it. We're not taking it. So I turned down the job. And I remember even calling my mom and talking to her about it. And when she found out, she was upset. And my mom loves Jesus. She's a good Christian woman. But she was like, what are you doing? You have a pregnant wife with no job and you turn down a job offer. That is ridiculous. And I said, well, that's, that's what God told us to do, and we're trusting him. And you know what? Within a few months, God gave us inspiration to start a business, and, and uh, the business took off and went well. And if, if I had done what common sense said to do, I don't know what would have happened. But I knew that God didn't have us doing that. And by listening to him and walking what he told us, he, he worked out the situation, and it was way better doing it his way than it would have been doing it our way in the common sense way. So we have to trust God that his wisdom is, or his, his counsel is always wise. And then finally, his counsel is for everyone. It's for every one of us. You don't have to be uh, an ordained pastor to, get, to hear from God, to get counsel from God. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, large crowds gathered everywhere he went. 
Everywhere he went, crowds just swarmed around him all the time. And obviously some of it was because he was, people were getting healed and people wanted to see this, this Jesus that everybody was talking about. But you, you, hear, you see it all the time in the scripture too where people were saying his wisdom was so, was so great. Like people couldn't believe the stuff he was saying for such an unlearned man by their standards. He was saying stuff that just was so amazing. You know, they were calling him teacher and, you know, he didn't go to school. People knew they saw his wisdom and they wanted to be around him. And it, and it was for every one of them. Jesus never turned people away and said, no, no, you don't, you don't, you can't take part of this because you're not the right, the right status in the church. You know, it was nothing like that. It was always for everyone and it's for us too. And we could trust that, you know, his, his office is always open. If you call Mike at 10 o'clock, you're going to get his voicemail, but you can call on God anytime and trust that he's always there for us. Amen. Anytime we need to be with, we need God. He's always there waiting for us. Okay, so the second name that he is called in this, in Isaiah 9, is Mighty God. And I love this. I love it. God is our strength. He is a mighty God. And, you know, and the, the God part of this, this little phrase or this name is really neat because it gives us clarity. It clarifies if there's any doubt as to whether or not Jesus was God, this tells us that he was. Because it says he was, he's going to be, his name will be Mighty God. And he was Jesus. He was the son. So it was very, it was important that Jesus was also God. You know, if Jesus came just as the son of God, that wouldn't have been enough for, for our redemption. It wasn't enough that he was the son of God. He had to be God the son. He had to, God had to come and make that sacrifice for us himself, for it, to, for it to be the way God ordained it to be. So the fact that he was God the son is a big deal. And we need to know that. And it, this verse really clears it up. Because there's no difference between, the scripture doesn't make any distinction between mighty and almighty. So we know that Jesus is both. He's, he's mighty and he's also almighty. He is God. And so that clears that up for us in that verse. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say that God is mighty. You know, I, we would all believe that he's a mighty God. I mean, with the technology we have nowadays, what we can see in outer space, you see the vast expanse of the universe and the planets and the stars and the moon and the sun and, and everything that God has made. It's, uh, it's so easy to see that he is such a mighty God. And he is, but he's not just a mighty God and that he creates things and he's the ruler of the universe. He's mighty in us. He is mighty in us. And that's what this was. That's why Jesus came to earth. He was, he was coming to earth to be a mighty God for us. To us, a son is given to be a mighty God. It wasn't just to come so he could say how awesome he was. It was so he could be mighty in us. And I don't know about you guys, but I get tired of fighting my own battles. And some, it's so easy to forget that we have the, we have the mighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the first and the last, the alpha and omega. We have that at our disposal. We have his strength in us if we will, if we will allow him to do that. But this is the thing about God being mighty. His might in our life is directly dependent on us surrendering to him. Because the Bible said that he is made strong in what? In our weakness. And so this goes against all rationale. This goes against what the world would say but God is basically saying, you have to be weak for me to be strong in you. And there's something in the whole human spirit that does not like that. We don't like being weak. We don't brag about being weak. You don't hear somebody say, you know, he's really athletic and he's really talented and smart. Man, he's really weak. That's awesome. I'm really excited about that. You don't hear people say that. It sounds ridiculous. But that's what God wants from us. And so we have to purpose in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirit to revel in our weakness. In fact, Paul says it. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, But he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now Paul got it because this is what he says. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul got it and we need to get it too. Like Jesus is our mighty God. That is one of the names that's given to him in this prophecy. But for him to be mighty in our lives, we have to be able to surrender ourselves. As long as we try to do things in our own strength, God will step back and allow us to do it. That's just how God works. I don't understand it. I wish sometimes God would just say, no, you dummy, stop doing it like that. Surrender to me and I'll take care of it. God would never call us a dummy. That's, that's the fleshly side of it. But that's what I want him to say to me sometimes so that, I, so that I'm reminded of it because it's so easy to just get back in the flesh all the time and just try our best to get through situations. And if I could just work harder, if I could just try more, if I could do this and this, then, you know, then maybe God will bless me. When really God is saying, no, I want you to surrender to me. Give me these areas of, weak, of, of struggle in your life. Give them to me. Be weak so that I can be strong in you. And, you know, sometimes God will actually fight our battles for us when we do that. You look at Moses when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they got to the, the Jordan River. And, uh, and, they, and he was crying out to God, like, what are we going to do? And God said, listen, basically, all you got to do is just trust me. Just don't do anything, and I'm going to defeat the Egyptians for you. And you know what happened? He splits the water. I'm sorry, not the Jordan, the Red Sea. Why did I say the Jordan? He splits the Red Sea, goes through on dry land. Egyptians chase him. The water crashes back over him. Every Egyptian was killed, every one of them. And Moses didn't have to raise a sword or anything. God completely fought his battles, but it was because Moses cried out to him. Moses, if Moses would have tried and said, okay, guys, we got to build a boat. We got to get across this thing. And then when the rest of, when the Egyptians try to come, we shoot them with arrows or whatever. If he would have tried to figure it out and strategize and rationalize it, it wouldn't have worked. He had to do it God's way. And that's what God does. And there's times God will actually help us in the battle. Sometimes he fights the battle for us. Sometimes he helps us in the battle. He helps us to, to go through it. In fact, in uh, uh, Philippians 4, it says, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So if, if we will allow him to give us the strength, he will help us in the battles in our lives. And, and church, I don't, know, I don't know what battle you're going through. Some of you need a miracle from God this Christmas season. Some of you need healing. Some of you need physical healing. Some of you got a bad report from the doctor and you need physical healing. Some of you need emotional healing. Some of you need restoration in relationships. You know, this is the time of year that people, families come together and some of you may be dreading it because you know you got family members that you just don't get along with and that you don't want to see and you kind of stay in your corner of the house when the family's together and they stay in their corner and you need restoration in that. Some of you need provision. Some of you need God to come through for you to where, and you can't do it on your own and you need him to come through for you in provision. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're wondering how you're going to buy gifts for your kids this year or for your wife or your husband. You may need a miracle from God. He is strong for us if we will surrender our needs to him and trust him. And he can be that for you this Christmas season. And he wants to be that for you. Amen? Can anybody get excited about that? I know I can. Amen. Okay, so the third name of God on this, in this passage is that he's an everlasting father. Now, I love this. I love this so much because, you know, as a dad, I didn't understand the, real, the father's love until I became a father. Um, I've told this story before, but you know, when, when 
our first daughter was born. She was only a couple hours old. We were in the hospital. Joy was kind of drugged up because she had a C-section. We're just sitting there and she was in the room with us. And I just happened to get up and look at her and she's turning blue and she'd stopped breathing. And it turned out she just had some stuff in her, in her windpipe from the birth, you know, that didn't get pushed out. And I don't understand all that, but basically she couldn't breathe. And I didn't know what to do. You know, I snatched her up and and I was a brand new dad and, you know, I'm holding the baby. I didn't even know how to hold her yet. You know, I don't know if I hang her by her ankles or what, but I ran out in the hall and a nurse came and, you know, cleaned out her throat and she was fine. The whole thing lasted less than a minute, but just when it was over and everything settled down, the emotion just overwhelmed me, just flooded me. And I just started to sob like a baby and I couldn't believe it because I was thinking, man, I, I mean, I've only known this kid for three hours. And the love that I have, you know, and in fact, when, when Joy was pregnant, I remember she'd get upset at me because she's like, the baby would kick, you know, and I'd feel like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, and I just, I wasn't really into the whole thing. Like we don't get as emotionally attached as guys. I don't know why that is. Uh, you know, we don't get to feel the baby inside of us. There's a maternal thing. Women, that's why you get to have babies. Congratulations, you know. <laughs> but, for, uh, but for us men, you know, we have to see it. We're visual. We want to see that baby. And, uh, but boy, did things change. Cause when she was there, I was like, I was wrapped in a second. And, uh, I just remember the Lord speaking to me during that time and saying, you know, as much as you love that child, my love for you is so infinitely much more. You can't even fathom it. And it just blew my mind that God could love anybody, especially me that much that he would just, that, that it would be overwhelming to him that his heart for me was so much about love. And you know, when he's called an everlasting father in here, if you break it down, Everlasting really just means always was and always is. There's no, there's no beginning and there's no end. There's no beginning to God. There's no end to God. He's the only thing that's everlasting. He's the only person that's everlasting. And that word in and of itself is, is good. It's good to know that God's always been there. But, you know, if you're somebody that's running from God, that's not necessarily a good thing. You kind of want God to go away, you know. But when you look at it in the, in the, in the realm of him being an everlasting father and having that unconditional love for us, for each one of us, it is so, it can be so overwhelming and we can never let this become old hat for us that we've just been saved so long that we know that he's the father, that he's got the father heart, that he loves us. And we read that verse in Romans where he's, you know, he's given us a spirit of sonship where we cry, Abba, father, that that doesn't ever do any, if that doesn't do anything to us, then we need to go back to God and say, okay, God, why is my heart not like it should be? Because that should overwhelm us. That should, that should blow us away that he loves us that much and that he loves us that unconditionally, that his love, like I think of my daughter and I think there's nothing she could do, all three of my kids, there's nothing they could do to ever make me stop loving them, nothing. And I think, okay, but God's love is so much more than that. How's that even possible? And I think he loves me that way. And, and some of you, you know, during this time of year, you may deal with guilt. You may deal with, with uh, thinking about the mistakes you've made this year. You know, for some people, it's been a tough year. And, and you may feel distant from God. You may feel like you've done things to upset God. And I'm here to tell you today, he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He just wants you to come into, his, into the fold. He wants you to be with him. He wants to show you how much he loves you and doesn't want you to run from him. He's everlasting to everlasting. He's never going anywhere, ever. He's always going to be there. So he wants you to be with him. That's his heart for you. Uh, the, the verse, one of the verses that I want to read is from 1 John 3. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. What a wonderful love that God has lavished on us to call us his children. The fact that he called us his children is saying that he loves us. He wouldn't call us that if he didn't. What a wonderful, wonderful God we serve. And you know, I think the... The best 
passage story in all the Bible that talks about the love of God is, is in Luke uh, chapter 15. And, and you'll, I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. A lot of you will know what this is even when I start reading it. Verse 17 and 18, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. Now, if you've, if you've been around for a while, you know that that's from the story of the prodigal son. And I just love, uh, church, we should be reading the prodigal son once a month because it is such a beautiful example of God's love for us. This, this son of his that said, I want my, he came to his father and said, I want my inheritance. I want it now before you're dead. Father gave it to him. He took off, spent it all, squandered it on, on worldly living. And he was about to starve to death. And he finally, it says, he came to his senses and said, you know what? I got my father's servants eat better than this. I'll go home and basically I'll beg his forgiveness and let him just, let me be a servant in, the, in his house. And so he even understood the father's love to a degree, but he didn't understand it to the degree that it was. Because if you read the rest of the story, it says that while he was still a long way off, God didn't, the father did not wait for him to get to the front door and get on his knees and grovel and beg him and stand there over him like, mm-hmm, so now you're back. You probably want more money, huh? He didn't do that. He said while he was still, he didn't even know if the son was coming to repent. He just knew he was coming. He could have been asking, he wasn't coming back to ask for more money. He could have been coming for anything. And it says while he was still a long way off, the father ran to him. Now, this was very undignified for this father to get up and run to the, his son. The father was the one, he was the, he was the patriarch of the family. People came to him and, you know, if he wanted to do something for you, he did it. But it was all on his terms. He sprinted to him, didn't even let him get anywhere near the house. And the son tries to apologize, say, Dad, I've screwed up. And he didn't even let him talk barely. He said, listen, he just gave him a big hug and he kissed him. He said, bring a robe for him, bring sandals, and put him on his feet, bring a ring and put it on his finger. We're going to kill the fattened calf because my son who was dead is alive. And he was excited about it. And that's the father's love for each one of us. There's nothing we can do. It, from what that son did in that story, he was, he was deserved to be excommunicated. And if he came back home, they had every right in the world to kill him because he was gone. He was out. So what he did, what you have done is no worse than what he did in the father's eyes. And the father still said, I'm running to him. I'm running to him. I'm not even going to let him. He's not going to grovel in my presence. This is my son. He's part of my family. And if he's part of my family, we're always going to be family. And that's how God sees us. He's such a wonderful father, and he wants to be that father for you and let you know that he's not angry, that he wants to embrace you. He wants to put a ring on your finger. He wants to kill the fattened calf, or around here it'd be the fattened turkey for you so that you could be with him and have a feast. Amen? Amen. So the last name that he's given in this verse is the Prince of Peace. And I think, uh, I think Isaiah saved the best for last because the Prince of Peace... What he's basically saying here, this word peace means to, to be whole, basically. And when you first read it, you know, for me, it was, I, I used to think that it meant like, he's the prince of peace. Oh, good. He brings, he gives me peace in my heart to where, you know, I don't have to be anxious or worried or stressed out. And I do believe we're not doing violence to the scripture by saying that's part of who Jesus is. The Bible says there, the, talks about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So there is that peace for us as well. But this, this is actually talking about the peace that he brings between God and man. Because see, until Jesus came, there wasn't peace between God and man. It was turmoil. There was a lot of judgment. In fact, there was, there's a time, there's at least one time in the Old Testament where God said he regretted even making man. There wasn't always peace there. You know, in the time of Noah, it, God said he saw the wickedness of man, that every man on the earth was so wicked, he wanted to wipe him out and it says he regretted it, making man. 
But then he, he found Noah and he said, we'll, we'll just save Noah and let him carry on the, the bloodline. So there wasn't always peace there. But what Jesus did, by him being the prince of peace, is so significant. It's so neat. Because him being the prince, that means there has to be a king, right? He's the prince. Well, he's, that means he's the son of the king. So him being royalty, he has the authority and the ability to bring peace between the king and between us. So that's what he did when he came. He bridged the gap. He brought peace for you and me in our relationship with God. And it's another one of those things that if you've been saved for a long time, it's easy to just almost take it for granted that you're in the family of God and you're saved and you're forgiven and Jesus loves you and God loves you. And we can almost make our faith about ourselves. Like, man, it's so good. I'm God's so glad I'm a Christian. You know, he's so glad he could use me. And man, it's a good thing I'm here to help, you know, talk to my coworkers about Jesus and make sure my family hears about Jesus all the time. And those things are great, but it's, it's about so much more than that. It's about the fact that Jesus brought, what, by him coming and, and being born as a baby, that, that was going to bring peace between us and God. And that's huge. And for some of you, if you're in this place today, and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Well, this is, this is the biggest meaning of Christmas is that we would be at peace with God. And there is no reconciliation with God without Jesus. You cannot be reconciled to God without Jesus. And I'm not just saying by saying a prayer or saying the name of Jesus or singing songs or coming to church. You have to give your heart to him. You have to, you have to surrender your life to him and trust him to save your soul. And for some of us, you may have been in church, you may have been in church for a long time and you may have never full, given your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered and said, okay, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. And I'm telling you, there, church isn't what gets you to heaven. There's no reconciliation with God without Jesus in your life. But the good news is, with Jesus, there's no separation from God. Amen? Amen? Paul said in Romans, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, I want to read the verse real quick. It's in Romans 8, 37 and 38. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in Christ Jesus, you got to remember that last part of that, of that verse. It's so important that w- with Christ Jesus our Lord, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing if you were in Christ Jesus. And that's exciting. He, brought, he came to bring peace between us and God. And it's there. It's available for all of us. We can all have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Not because we're good enough. Not because we have good church attendance. Not because we read our Bible every day. Not because we're nice to our brothers and our sisters and our wife and our husband and our, our friends and whoever. None of those things are what brings peace between you and God. Those things are all good. And that's, that's a byproduct of being saved, hopefully. But what brings peace between you and God is Jesus Christ coming to this earth living a sinless life, dying a death on a cross, raising from the dead, and you putting your trust and your faith in him to save you and forgive you of your sins. Amen? And that's something to be excited about today because if you are a believer, it's good to be reminded of it because that's what Christmas is. That's why we're celebrating it. We're celebrating it not just that this baby was born in a feeding trough, but because he was our savior. He is our savior. And he came to save us all from ourselves and to to reconcile us back to God. So I'm going to ask the band to come. And the prayer team, if you would, we're going we're gonna to have a time here at the altar. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you'd like, I'd like to pray for you. You know, sometimes when, when you prepare a sermon or if you've, you know, if, you, if you've taught Sunday school or you ever do anything where you have to seek the Lord on what to, 
what to preach or what to say or what to, what to teach. I know for me, there's times like, you know, I feel like the Lord might have put something on my heart or I just, something's already been on my heart and I'll share from that. And, you know, and it's good. But when, when I was preparing for this today, it hit me like a sledgehammer over the head. The Lord said, this is the message I want you to bring. This is for my people. This is, this is what I want them to hear this Sunday. And I believe that there's an anointing here today by the Holy Spirit that, that these four names of Jesus... That if, you're, if any of these names do not resonate with you or you, you feel like you haven't been able to walk in, those, in the power of what those four names are, you haven't seen that manifestation in your life this year or recently or ever, that if you will come and surrender to the Lord this morning, that I believe he will touch you. And I believe he will heal your heart. And I believe he will reconcile you. And I believe he will show you his goodness and his love for you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please. And I want you, I would like for you to come to the altar. If you want specific prayer, the prayer leaders over here will be happy to pray with you if you want them to, to lay hands on you and, and pray specifically. But if you want prayer for one of these, one of these four things. So if you need Jesus to be your wonderful counselor, maybe you, uh, you have a decision to make and you really need counsel that that you feel like only he can give you and you need him to be that counselor. Or maybe you just need to be able to trust that you can hear from him or that you can, uh, or that you, when you read the word, you can understand it and, and you can be led by his spirit in your life. If you, if you need that today, I want you to come forward and I want to pray for you. If you, need, if you need him to be your mighty God, if, he hasn't, if you haven't experienced the, the power of God in your life in a way that you have needed, if you, if, if you need him to heal you or restore relationships in your life or if you need provision you just need him to show up and be that mighty God for you in your life then I want you to come forward especially you know maybe there's been times where you've known the the power of God in your life but maybe it's gone stale and you just haven't experienced it or you're bogged down right now maybe with everything that goes on with Christmas Uh, I'd like for you to come forward if uh, if you need to know God as your everlasting father the, the God that loves you unconditionally that isn't mad at you that just wants you to come to him and be part of his family and be in the fold with him and to receive his love and to understand that, that agape love that God gives that if you've never been able to cry out to him and call him Abba Father or call him Daddy or just have that relationship with him, then I'd like for you to come forward this morning. Or if you need him to be your Prince of Peace, if you are not saved in this place today, and church, I want, I want everybody to listen to me. If, if, if there's anybody in this building that has never given their heart to Jesus, I am begging you today, please don't leave this place today without doing it. He is so much better than even you think. You can start coming forward. Some people are starting to come. Feel free to come. He is so much better than you could ever even think he is. He loves you so much. His goodness is so much better than we even understand. I want you to come forward, and I I would like to pray with you so that you don't leave this place apart from God. I don't want you to leave here not knowing him. Maybe you've been in church all your life but you've never really given your heart to Jesus. Please make today the day because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that brings peace between you and God. He bridges the gap between you and God and gives you that right standing and you can be the righteousness of Christ. So I'd like for you to come forward. So anybody that wants prayer this morning, come forward. We're gonna pray and ask the Lord to minister to you in that way. And you know, if you need, if you just need the peace of God in your heart, you love him, you're saved, but you're struggling with anxiety or worry during this time, this, this, this season of Christmas, 
If you need that today, I want you to come forward too and we'll pray for you for that. I believe that the spirit of God is here to minister and to bless and to, to touch you in a powerful way today. So come on forward. We'll wait a minute. Hallelujah.